Hey there, I'll keep this short. You can support this show and others like it by going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro gaming podcast. Mm-hmm. And this week we are reading your responses to Super Metroid. Um, this is a beloved game yeah. and uh, people came out in force. Yeah, and we really appreciate it. And we've been recording for a long time. You heard the uh, Return of the King level uh, levels of false endings <laughs> in the main episode. So the uh, we're going to go ahead and hit the ground running here. Mm-hmm. Um, since this mentions me by name, why don't you read it, Cole? <laughs> uh, Sean writes in via contact saying, In several episodes, Gary had insisted that Alundra uh, um, had been an isometric game or was an isometric ga- uh, game. Uh, this is driving me crazy. Uh, you're thinking of Landstalker, of which Alundra is a spiritual successor. That kept the Zelda-like gameplay without the infuriating perspective. Uh, you guys should consider Alundra for an action RPG su- survey. It is quite good. Thank you for correcting me. I probably was thinking of Landstalker. I mean, I, not probably. I was. <laughs> like, I trust you. I was thinking of Landstalker. Yeah. Um, and I apologize for that. Yeah. I might have stayed away from Alundra just because of Landstalker. So it's good to know if that was a mistake. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, on to responses about Super Metroid. Uh, Gordon says via contact. After 99 episodes, Krusty has finally gotten here. Super Metroid is truly a game of carriage. The design is tight to within a tumble with, and the music is a thousand times better than whatever is happening in Narsh. Even the tapa 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 footsteps sounds just so good. So good. And we all love hearing the meow of our favorite Metroid in the background. Uh, you plumb the depths as deep as the House of Leaves before the cycle of Sam before, excuse me, before cycle of Samsara-ing your Samsara-ing back to where you began. Everything just looks so much better than anything an uncommon UK studio could ever do. Um, at times, the world is grimmer than a disappointing childhood, filled with shadows, or maybe just the dark. Man, I'm not sure yet. Let me check this index card. Maybe it would have been better with some spooky skeletons. Maybe not. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle anyway. Altogether, a space pirate favorite, Umbasa. <laughs> so that, that's very funny. Yes. Thank Rose, you, Gordon. Come here. Yeah, come. Rose. Okay. Just wanted to get a little bit of him since he was referenced. Rose. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's very funny. Thank you. It, it is. Yeah, thank you very much. Seeing all of uh, all of the tropes in one place. <laughs> It's, 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 it's a little bit of a harsh uh, a harsh awakening, isn't it? Yeah. Harshly, I appreciate your appreciation of, of that. Yep. Uh, I, th- I think I knew who that guy is on Something Awful. He, he said oh. it came from a place of love. So, oh, okay. Yeah. This is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. Brian writes on via contact saying, I've played almost every other Metroid game out there, but this is the, this is the one that always slipped through the cracks. So when you announced that, uh, this as the 100th episode, I knew I was finally going to take a time uh, to take a crack at it. Um, I can see why this game is so highly praised. Uh, the first few hours of exploration, uh, were a lot of fun. Uh, I made it, a, I made a point to do all of this on my own without the use of a guide to have that pure experience I never got to have on the SNES. Finding out for myself how to deal with bosses and seeking out upgrades brought back fond memories, uh, that I haven't experienced since fusion. Yes, I did actually like it. He says in parentheses. And then I discovered Meridia. This was a huge low point for me. Trying to navigate it and figure out where I was supposed to go was a pain. And to me, there was nothing of real interest to see there. Uh, But at least the boss made up for it by being easy to kill, though I discovered electrocuting it by accident. 
Afterward, uh, though, it picked up, uh, picked back up, and I enjoyed the rest of the game. And while I still consider Zero Mission to be my favorite Metroid game, this became a close second that I'll definitely revisit uh, again and try to get a better end result. I came in at five hours and 75% complete. Also, just wanted to say congrats on 100 episodes and can't wait to see what's in store for the next 100. Keep up the amazing work. I decided to keep that stuff in just because that's eh, fun. You know what? There's a time that we can be masturbatory. Yeah. Oh, things it's around this hundredth episode. Yeah. How like I love that this guy discovered. I mean, I I'm sure I discovered the electrocution thing by accident too mm-hmm. when I was young, but I don't remember the feeling of it. Like I, I would love to have that now. It's like seem- just like oh shit. It you know? seems like something you would have to do in a panic, right? Like trying to yeah. switch and figure out like there's not much you can do besides wiggle the D-pad to get out of that grasp. But if you're just kind of stuck there flailing and you know trying different items, I guess I could see it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, and and you're right, Meridia is a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Um and also just for the record, like I don't think fusion is without merit. Yeah. But I, I think I detailed all the things that were dumb. Or Cole detailed all the things that were dumb about it. I just reacted appropriately <laughs> during the uh, main episode. Um, Sean says via contact. Super Metroid does one of my favorite things in video game history. Produces something entirely new, not possible on previous technology. While the original Metroid established the conventions of the genre, Super Metroid found ways to expand on it by adding new weapons and tons more secrets. It's a shame that we don't have another one of these 2D iterations of the series, since Fusion and, or ever since Fusion and Zero Mission. Can you imagine how great something like this would look on the 3DS? Or how large? Oh well, I guess. Congratulations on reaching 100 episodes. Here's to 100 more. And only that. No. Yes. <laughs> and after that, we both we take the the caplets that we yep. uh, that we've embedded we in our teeth. Other. Yeah. yeah, that that we found in a in a time capsule mm-hmm. that was marked with our names from eighteen hundred. <laughs> yep. Um, See, I'm not going to explain that. It was just it would be a cool detail. Like yeah. it doesn't need a story. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that is something, right? The tech the the tech thing. This was a three megabit cartridge or something mm-hmm. like that. It was a it was a bigger cartridge than you would than you would find, and like that was something that happened from time to time on the SNES. But like this was '94 and relatively late in the run, and it wasn't quite as big as like the Super Mario RPG carts. But like the size of the world wouldn't have been possible on you know like a non extensible media like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's awesome how like the the side the game is still very svelte even though the mm-hmm. world is really huge. Yeah, it somehow pulls off that contradiction really really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Zane writes in via contact saying, I'm sure you've already seen this or someone has shown it to you already, but on the off chance nobody did, it's an amazing chronology of the Metroid universe, told like an epic myth with beautiful beautiful pictures. And there is a link to a Kotaku mm-hmm. article uh, from which I got a lot of those details. Um, and that will be in the, the show notes. Yep, and Gary will never read it. I, I mean, I might, but it might be like a hate read, like a, yeah. it's gonna like a like an editorial from a PUA. Gary, I know you're wondering. I'm just gonna answer the question before you ask it. Yes, it does start with the manga. Oh. <laughs> Excellent. (laughs) Zane continues. Also, in terms of Super Metroid, once you beat the game, you have one of two options. Try to get a 100% or try to get as low of a percent as possible. And once you learn how to play without a certain upgrade, you can never go back. Example, once you learn the wall jump, you will never want to play with the high jump upgrade. Yeah, if if you're doing that iterative iterative play, Mm -hmm. um, we didn't really mention this because we talked about speedrunning a little bit, but we didn't talk about the different categorizations Mm -hmm. um, because the 100% speedrun looks really different than the low percent. Mm -hmm. Um, People can do the game, and I think it's 15%, um, which is just crazy. It's like the minimum (laughs) amount of missiles, and that's it. Yep. 
um, you know, just a couple of things you actually have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of different ways to play it, and they kind of that's how they make up for the the short length. You know, even though mm-hmm. speedrunning wasn't necessarily a thing, mm-hmm. um, or at least a big thing at the time this came out that kind of challenge runs. I mean, they were encouraging that by showing you like a percent and a time readout at the end. Yeah. Right. Which is very, that's, that's super cool. Like give me something like that, but make it optional. (laughs) Um, in the speedrun community, I don't pay as much attention to it as you do. Do Is there a reverse boss run category around that? Cause that's a run that I've read around. I've read about. Um, I don't think so. I don't think in, in speed runs. Okay. There is just because I think that to do that, you, you know, you can't do that and be speedy. Yeah. At the same time, but that is that is a really neat category. I've read about that as well. Yeah. I mean, it's like I mean, it's a, almost like Final Fantasy Tactics and the number of like weird iterations mm-hmm. of ways just to play the game. <laughs> um, which again, like I'll never, I you know, that's not really for me, but I love watching them. Like anytime there's anything Metroid related, even Metroid, like Metroids I don't like are really fun to watch speedruns of. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's a block that I'll always watch on uh, AG, you know, AGDQs. Yeah, they share a kernel of an ethic of an ethic. Yeah, it's the same thing with Zelda games. Like Zelda games, or something about Nintendo games, um, even the ones I don't like that make amazing speedrun fodder. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, the Phantom Hourglass. I want to fucking watch a speedrun on that. I guess <laughs> I am. It's pretty, it pretty cool. I'm watching it. So yeah, uh, Ghost Train, <laughs> Spirit Tracks. Uh, you know, there we go. Phantom Hourglass, Spirit Tracks. <laughs> fucking later Nintendo games. Anyway, um, so yeah, thank you. Uh, Brian goes on save eye contact. Last time I played Super Metroid was in my early teens in the summer of 2002. I was tagging along on a vacation with my cousin slash best friend and his family to a lake house in Virginia. The previous spring, my aunt, his mother, had passed away from cancer. But despite this very recent tragedy, the family was determined to soldier on with the vacation. Naturally, it rained almost the entire time, which would have ruined the trip. But strangely, uh, in the, the cabin that we rented had an old PC with a working internet connection. We promptly downloaded an SNES emulator and Super Metroid, which neither of us had played since we were young kids hanging out in the basement, eating hot dogs my aunt had made for us while she and my mom chatted upstairs. We spent the rainy afternoons and evenings playing through the game together and rediscovering its secrets, only taking breaks to play cards or board games with the rest of the family, or sneak a quick ride out in the boat when the clouds broke, or to grill hot dogs in the patio like old times to complete the experience. I feel... uh, that it was a comforting reminder of the many aspects of our lives that change, but some simple pleasures will always remain. I think this is the main reason I haven't gone back and played this classic since. Not because it's a reminder of a painful time in my life, but because the memories have already the memories I have are already perfect. Congrats on 100 episodes of WAF, and thank you so much for the amazing memories you've helped me recall and create. Yeah, thank you. That is a yeah, that, that's a very nice story. I mean, it's not a nice story, but it is. Yeah, it's a nice story, bro. Let me tell you one. The Chozos began. It is a sweet story. Yeah, it's a very sweet story. Yeah. I've, I've said this before, but I'll say it again, because fuck it, 100 episodes, let's be indulgent. The um, the guy in my high school who, like, I was walking, we were walking home is this weird guy named Robbie Bachman, mm-hmm. and there was a cute cat, and I, I like, out on the porch, and I was like, that's a pretty cat. And he's like, you don't say pretty cat, you know, because he was a hyper-masculine guy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what do you say? And he's like, you go, hey, nice cat. <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks, Robbie Bachman. <laughs> nice. He also used to in the 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 locker room. He used to sing the theme song to the Mister Bucket toy. Which, if you <laughs> Mr. remember, Bucket. Like, Mr. Bucket, you put your balls in my mouth. But he used to change the lyrics to be dirty, so he'd be like, Mister Bucket, put your balls in my mouth, <laughs> Mister Bucket. I make you swallow my cum, Mister Bucket. And like he used to just walk around singing that in the in the locker room. So <laughs> this guy sounds amazing. Yeah, he well he he was a real uh, uh, he's he was a real 
he's a super stoner dude. <laughs> so he he was he was like kind of like um like a like a bad kid. He sounds cool. I want to emulate him. Yeah, <laughs> he can be as cool as Robbie Bachman someday. <laughs> hey, nice cat. I think I'll take it. Yeah. Hey, nice cat. <laughs> I'm pretty. <laughs> anyway. Oh man. Uh, but yes, that is a very sweet story. Um, I, I like it when people share those kind of like personal stories about games yeah. intersecting with kind of big life moments like that. Yeah, um, I like family life stories. Yeah. Richard writes in via contact saying, so I grew up with video games, but I don't think I actually appreciated them as a medium until the PS1 and N64 era. I had an NES, uh, uh, an SNES, and a Genesis. I've certainly played a lot of 8 and 16-bit stuff, but I don't have the appreciation for these eras that most game folks seem to. I tried going back to a lot of the SNES classics 15 or so years ago and was unimpressed with most of them. But one of the games that held up for me was Super Metroid, and I haven't, uh, well, and I haven't even beaten the damn thing. I couldn't figure out the wall jump. Uh, I knew what I needed to do at that section. I just couldn't figure out how it worked. But I kinda don't care. What I played of Super Metroid was so excellent uh, that it's easy for me to understand why people consider it uh, one of the best games ever made. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on uh, to explain how he found us through the My Brother, My Brother and Me ad that we ran. And now we are one of the uh, mainstays in his pod library. I wanted to oh. re- relay that um, just because it's cool when I hear about people coming to us from that ad, um, but also to, you know, keep with the theme. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Richard. Yeah. And uh, thanks for letting us be a mainstay of your pod library. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you're wrong as far as Super Nintendo games go. Like a lot of the games I am very fond of, if I go back to them, they're kind of hard to play mm-hmm. and not very good. Yeah. So, but I, I think that's like just most, you know, 90% of most systems libraries are not very good. Yeah. Um, but just how many, like, you know, what the average is, you know, whether it's like a, a six or a, <laughs> you know, a seven. Yeah. You know, um, but then how many like huge standouts does it have? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's easier to go back to the SNES than PlayStation. Like we see that in Object Suffering all the time. Oh, yeah. PlayStation is very hard to go back to. Like it, it has a very strong lineup, but it's like it's not, not on average, it doesn't. Mm hmm. You know, you need to, you know, to cherry pick the, the best games yeah. from it. And also, like, I would say the SNES is easier to go back, like, the, at least just aesthetically. Mm-hmm. Like, or the, uh, Nintendo, you know, easier to go back to from the PlayStation or the uh, Nintendo 64, Yeah, I think. And I would even say, like, the NES, like, games had the ability to put in text and be scrutable. Whereas a yeah. lot of, like, a lot of really good games on, on NES, they're, like, the barrier to entry is just so high, like, mechanically. I keep uh, reading people on Twitter who are talking about how they want the next like indie boom to be uh, 32-bit graphics and like just really talking sugar about like the graphics and things like, you know, Banjo-Kazooie and, and, and uh, what is it? Uh, uh, what's that? Crash. Crash Bandicoot yeah. and stuff. Um, and I can't disagree harder than that. I think that it's just like people who are a little younger than me mm-hmm. who just came across that. But like, it's just I can't accept it. Like you put that <laughs> next to... Like a Super Metroid and saying that like it looks better, yeah, is just is just inscrutable I, to me. I could see it looking neat, right? Like I I like a chunky low poly model in high resolution that has like garage shading on it, but like that is so pla- like usually that is so plastered over with like other processing that it kind of just makes like a like a like a prettier image. I think, and yeah. that that might be a lot of what people talk about. I think that the last thing we need is the feel of those games. Like the like the yeah, floatiness yeah. and stuff like that that that's my bigger concern because like a Kentucky Route Zero is is basically that mm. you know and that game is fucking gorgeous yeah yeah I, I think you're right like the the feel is probably a bigger issue the, I guess the specific touchstones I keep seeing mentioned mm. like aren't appealing to me I, like I, as for all the reasons I don't like a certain uncommon British 
<laughs> uh, game developer. Um, it's not just how they look. <laughs> or it's not just how they play. It's also how they look. Like, I don't think yeah. Banjo-Kazooie looks particularly good. And I think you're seeing that because of that uh, um, ukulele Kickstarter. They, yeah. Like, yeah. I, like that's the reason that that is up and that that is in the uh, in the consciousness. But I've heard people that I that I respect on podcasts and stuff like actually express that opinion as well. And like when when they say it, you know, <laughs> I kind of agree with it because they're evoking the kind of things that I like. But the um, I met a guy the other day who was a uh, 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 somebody from England mm-hmm. um, yesterday, and he's like super nice guy. Um, and we started talking about games because we, you know, we both are into old games, and it's it's so fun to talk to somebody who is from England about old games mm-hmm. because their experience was so different than ours. Like, Rare was king, mm-hmm. and all these weird like ZX Spectrum and like <laughs> weird personal computer experiences they had. But like talking to him about that, and he just like was just absolutely like we were talking about Rare, and like I just met the dude, so I didn't want to be like. Let me drop some science on you. Rare yeah. is actually bad. Like I, you know, I, I'm not that dickhead who does that. Um, I can only do that behind the comfort of a microphone. Yeah, this is one um, way, of, one way, baby. Yeah, I'm invincible. But uh, but I was just like, oh, you know, it's not really for me. But he was just like, yeah, fucking rare and banjo kazooie. Like, and he was just like so excited about. Uh, I keep pronouncing long A's. Banjo kazooie and banjo kazooie. Banjo kazooie. Um, but he he was just like so excited about it, and then he was just like, yeah, man. And then like all those ultimate play the game you know uh uh games and from the 80s and i was like yeah mm-hmm. in america like those guys were responsible for like the family feud port <laughs> and like the jeopardy port like rare did a bunch of garbage here yeah. like they did some good stuff but mm-hmm. like it's so much garbage here on the nes and he was just so nostalgic for it mm-hmm. it's just interesting the way that like you can have this entirely different experience like, based on geography yeah and like i wonder how much of that is uh is, uh, like honestly this is gonna sound like i'm being uncharitable how much of it is nationalism Right. Like if we if if on consoles or our our equivalent, because like game computers were so much more common over there. Right. Than they Mm -hmm. were over here. You know, like if we had an American developer who was like putting stuff out that was at the caliber that that was there, how much pride would we take in that and say this is this is something of ours? Yeah, I don't I don't know, because the 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 nostalgia that he had for that, I have for Nintendo, which is a Japanese company, Mm -hmm. you know, so and and there were. Those developers, they just did stuff on PC. Yeah, that's what you I'm know? saying. So it, right, like, I'd be like maybe like that, with like Sierra. Yeah, it'd be like Sierra, yeah. Id, LucasArts, like any of those, yeah. like stuff that like I like a lot, but I didn't play it when it was contemporaneous. Yeah, like, and, and I, I did, like I did, I did play those with the contemporaneous, but I don't have any kind of sort of nationalism. Mm-hmm. That's not to discount your theory. Like other people could have that, mm-hmm. but I, I don't have it. It's the closest thing I can think of to like not justify. I can't think of a reason why somebody would like this thing that I don't like. <laughs> I don't so I will it. say something kind of mean and yeah. simplify the reason they like this thing. Well, that, yeah, what, what is your invalid reason for liking this thing? <laughs> it's, it, I mean, that's not the case. I think that like I bet you if he played some of those rare games, like mm-hmm. they probably wouldn't stand up for him. Yeah. But the same way that like if I played, you know, like I went back and revisited like Rockin' Cats and didn't like mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You know, that, that happens to me, too. Yeah. Um, we'll get us close. We'll close this out here with Alan. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to tap off, we can. Yeah, I'll try tag team you right up out the uh, YouTube link. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alan says, "I'm sure that everyone and their mother will be writing in about this one, and I'm sure I won't have much to add to the conversation in terms of talking about the gameplay. So, as a collegiate instructor who's taught a course on video game music, good, good on you, Alan. Um, I'll talk about the sound design for a moment." Rather than gush, I'll just highlight a few random details that I find interesting. Forgive me if this is getting a bit esoteric and dwelling on the NES game uh, too much, 
I don't know if he means SNES. He, oh, he no, means no, NES, yeah. NES. Uh, but there are enough callbacks in Super Metroid that I figured I'd mention these. If you've never watched a run of the original Metroid in its original Japanese release, the differences in sound design are really curious. Note especially the much more obnoxious alarm sound during the escape sequence, and several of the sound effects. These were all powered by the uh, Famicom Disk System's extra sound channel. Also, some of the main themes sound different. The Super Nintendo game skews closer to the original FDS version in its callbacks, which is why the startup theme and item acquisition melody in Super Metroid don't quite match what were used in the U.S. version. The item theme in Zero Mission is actually closer to the American version, though, and there is a YouTube link. Yeah. There. I'll go um, ahead and pass it off to you. Yeah, and I will include some of these samples in the in the edit, because why not? It's 100. Yeah. Um, he continues, One of my favorite tracks in the original Metroid is the Turian theme, largely because of how weird it is in contrast to the catchy ditties and prog rock such and such of the other noteworthy soundtracks for the NES. In addition to the melody, he puts that in quotes, there are two other voice parts looping through, looping in at different speeds. Um, in different time signatures. One of these is a high part in 632 against the original's melody in 4-4, and the other is, is an amelodic a bubbling effect uh, in the triangle wave channel that's a 16th note out of phase from the original melody. Unfortunately, hardware limitations mean that these themes snap back into phrase at a set loop point rather than continuing to drift apart from each other. The mother brain music is similarly bizarre, consisting of a low trill and lots of bubbling noises uh, from the triangle wave. I suppose some of these effects uh, were to simulate the bubbling of lava because the Super Metroid Turian theme, which preserves the melody from the original game, just goes for straight up bubbling lava, uh, a fitting update to Tanaka's original track. Also, that final escape sequence. I don't think I've seen another game top it. It's not so hard as to be frustrating to replay. See Metroid Prime 2 Echoes uh, for an example of that problem. Dark Sam is going invincible for long periods while the clock is ticking is freaking obnoxious, but the uh, but just tense enough to keep you on your toes. A few dead ends, some rising lava. You've got more than enough health uh, and time that you'll probably be okay, but it still keeps you on edge. Rescuing your little tutorial friends adds a bit of challenge on a second run, and I like that it has a minor effect on the ending. Um, I could say more, but I've probably already gone on long enough. Looking forward to your other M, Metroid Other M podcast for episode 200. Ha. P.S. That dirt stuff in Torian where you find the hatchling, is it made of the same stuff that you end up shooting through on SR388 in Metroid 2, or is the resemblance a coincidence? Well, I, I don't know, but it's a good thought. Yeah, well, because, you every, from your, from because your everything else is connected. You see, they had to grab some Earth from the uh, SR-388 homeland in order to provide a proper gestation period for them to... I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> oh, that, that's very plausible. That could be the, the thing. Um, two, two things I want to say about that. One, um, I want to take that course mm -hmm. in video game music. That's, like, made for me, and I, I love that you teach that. <laughs> two, and I, I'm kicking myself for not forgetting... This is the 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 strongest case for me making notes um, for people who don't know, like Cole makes the notes for the shows. I just kind of try to keep it up in the dome piece. And, uh, but I noticed something. I was like, make sure I mention that when you run into the three guys that teach you to wall jump, they sing the item acquisition theme. And the reason why is because that's a new ability they're giving you. That's oh, so good. Yeah. Did you notice that? They go like, yep. that's so awesome. Yeah. That's so good. It's just barely disguised. Uh, right. Yeah, it, it is. It's just and it's just the three of them. There's definitely three voices. That's so cool. Like, I love that so much because it's like you can think of an item like this thing as a, as a verb that you get rather than like an actual 
you know, mechanical upgrade or, mm-hmm. a, you know, a, a power up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So those are the two things that makes me think of one of which I should have brought up in the show and didn't. Yeah. But yeah, that's awesome. That is, it's really cool to hear somebody who, who knows about this shit. Yeah. Talk about it. Definitely. And uh, I like deconstructing music in that way. So yeah, very, very cool. I like it whenever I hear triangle wave. <laughs> <laughs> like me too. That, that, that is the dog whistle that lets me know. Oh, I should probably listen to this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. A little trivia: I started fucking around in Family Tracker. Hmm. You know that um, that uh, tom drum sound that's in Metroid things all the time. Yeah, that's from the melody track. That's from the the triangle wave. That do nice. You know, that's always a, a drum thing in Metroid. That's the triangle wave. Hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember doing something with like a, oh man, I don't even remember the name of the program anymore, so I will stop talking. But it was like a programmatic music <laughs> uh, generator that was done by like the guys who made Soundflower. Fuck. Oh, that's cool. No. And it's, it's, it's not cool that you can't remember. It sucks that you can't remember. It was made by Cycling74. Cool, it is a really good uh, Max. Yes, doing stuff in Max. Oh, cool. The, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> that went oh, nowhere, well. but we've been re- recording for a very long time. Let's do a truncated uh, admin section. Yes. Um, yeah, so you can um, you know support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash DuckFeedTV. Mm-hmm. You can uh, do all kinds of stuff. You can rate and review us on iTunes, all those things. Super, super appreciated. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. recording for a long time. Yeah. You can like us on Facebook. Yes. That is facebook.com slash watch out for fireballs. Or you can, uh, if you have any thoughts on Katamari Damacy, or, uh, um, you know, Harvest Moon, Sim City, uh, or uh, Demon's Crest. Demon's yes, there we go. I almost said <laughs> I almost said the one after yeah. that. Um, then you can go to duckfeed.tv slash contact and uh, kick those our way. And uh, stay tuned for some, we, you know, our deleted scene sections have been getting shorter because we end up talking about business mm-hmm. um, during our pre-roll time. But stay tuned for just a little bit of talk about uh, Dragon Age Origins yeah. or Dragon Age uh, Inquisition. Mm-hmm. Ooh, golly. Look forward to that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I'm trying to think of happy things. Um, Deadwood. Deadwood's real good. Deadwood's real good. Um, I I, I fell asleep in the middle of episode two last night. But I didn't fall asleep because of the episode. I fell asleep because of tired. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I see this one having a lot of legs. Like that that whole HBO Now thing? Yeah. that's, That's really cool. I'm getting yeah. to see shows that other, that otherwise wouldn't have. Like I watched, I watched The Wire, you know, on on Amazon or whatever by streaming it off of my phone to my TV. But like between Silicon Valley and Veep, I think that's mm-hmm. like some of the best comedy I've seen recently. Yeah, it's real neat. Like yeah. it, it's finally, it's just an a la carte. Oh, I just need AMC now. Mm-hmm. Like that's all. I that's my big thing. Yeah. Like I, I you know I just want to be able to watch Better Call Saul mm-hmm. uh, without having to you know do it illegally and yeah. or pay two dollars for a digital episode yeah um yeah mm-hmm. the uh it's pretty neat like i've always wanted a la carte cable yeah so i i really hope this does well because i wh- wherever hbo goes the industry slowly follows yeah so so yeah it's a it, it is it is a cool thing and like i can see myself running out of stuff to watch eventually like i don't need to keep current on game of thrones or anything, yeah. but uh, and then I will cancel it, and then when I want to watch something else, I can pick it back up. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. But that's really all that's all that's happening. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, how do we how do we shake off? Oh, sorry, worse. Um, <laughs> I've been playing um, 
Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, Allison loaned it to me. Like, I didn't want to buy it because mm-hmm. I wouldn't, you know, I kind of hate play through those games anyway. And $60 <laughs> is a spicy meatball. Yep. Um, and I wanted something to do with my PS4 other than just making a Bloodborne machine. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I borrowed it and I'm enjoying it. Nice. Like, it's good, I think. It's not like those games are weird. Like, there's a criti- uh, some YouTube crit- criticizer critic. Um, is the word I'm looking <laughs> yep. for. Uh, not somebody who just like criticizes YouTube. <laughs> but a YouTube critic was talking about Skyrim, and he said like, no matter how big and beautiful the world is, nothing can change the fact that every NPC you meet in Skyrim is the most boring NPC <laughs> in Skyrim, and every quest you go on is the most boring quest, mm-hmm. which is totally true. Yeah. And I find that kind of true a little bit of this game too. Like your companions are good. Yeah. The things it's asking me to do are pretty nonsense, and it's trying to get real Skyrim-y with all its crafting and stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't like that trend one bit. No, I, I never want to see a crafting system again in my life. Um, but the uh, somehow, though, it kind of works. Like I, I think it's because it's stealing the combat from Dragon Age 2, mm-hmm. which is like the weirdest thing, because nobody likes that game. Mm-hmm. But if this game still had the combat from Dragon Age 1 and the shitty go-collect-10-rocks quest design yeah. that it has, I think it wouldn't be very good. Mm-hmm. but the actual combat ends up being kind of good. Yeah. I like the enough. combat in Dragon Age 2. Like, I think the, 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 the prevailing thing that people complain about in 2 is that it felt rushed, that the that the story just kind of, <laughs> like, by the time it got halfway through, the wheels had fallen off, and it was just kind of skidding through the mud. It's so, it's so perfunctory. It's so, yeah. like, somebody told the writer, you by the end of this, you need to cause, like, a really huge incident between the Templars and the Mages. Yeah, and so... And that's it. And so, you're so coo- they, you're like, coo- one of your cool NPCs just 9-11s. Yeah, who is great in Awakening. Mm-hmm. Like, he's great. Like, he's a, he's a really good NPC. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the reuse of dungeons, which is a pain, but then they kind of counteract it by the combat being so snappy. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't actually matter that much that you're going through, you know, small areas because you get through them really quickly. Like, mm-hmm. I ended up liking that game, you know, as much as I like the first one, at least. Yeah. But this third one, like, it's it's doing a good, like, balance of the two. But it's, it's going to be interesting, looking back on history, how much people uh, will acknowledge Dragon Age 2 mm-hmm. in relation to this game, you know? Yeah. Because it has a it has a big influence, mm-hmm. but it's fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I have it. I just haven't had the have a, the, the the time nor wherewithal to like dedicate to it. Yeah, I, I just it, it's a perfect storm of being like having a lot of short watch out for fireballs games mm-hmm. and being uh, relatively caught up in other areas. That I was able to start another demanding game. Yeah, I beat um, all of Katamari on Sunday. Yeah, you can you can definitely do that one day. I haven't done it yet, but I'm planning to. I was trying to find a way, like, I, I need to rehook up my PS3. It's kind mm-hmm. of a bummer and buy it. But the, uh, you know, I'm just going to pick a day and do that. Yeah. Yeah. What I would like to do is just kind of piecemeal play a couple days in the margins of stuff as opposed to like a like a long session, um, you know, taking it all at once, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so starting at this early is, is going to be good for that. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I'm going to start playing on the bus, too, because I've got it on my virtual console on my 3DS. Nice. So that that is helpful. Um, virtual con- is, is it on 3DS? Yeah. Or do you, oh, do you have a, wait, what? Uh, no, well, maybe is that not. Ambassador? Oh, no, 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 that's the, uh, no, I'm confused. <laughs> it's the Game Boy version. I have it on my regular virtual console is what I have. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's what I meant. I was but, I was surprised. So like, uh, I around the time we started planning for this particular episode, Super Metroid went on sale on Wii U, and I got it for <laughs> like a buck seventy five. And it's like, well, I want to try out the Virtual Console on Wii U. 
Um, yeah. Even though I already own it on the Wii, I want to play it in high def and blah, 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 blah. That's actually a pretty good experience. Yeah. Yeah, it was really fun. That's how I did it. I played oh, yeah. it on the handheld on the Wii U. Oh, yeah. I played through the whole thing, and it was great. Huh. Yeah, but just the fact that they build save states into it says that they know how people want to approach those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. It was uh, super fun. Yeah. So, cool. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and get started. Yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> 